I greet you in Lord's holy name. Uh, the Lord has enabled us to meet together to continue our study from the book of, uh, of Mark. I'm going to ask uh, dear Janusha from Nagarkoil to lead us in prayer. Uh, pray that uh, uh, God will give us grace. In many places it's raining. So I know that uh, internet is a big challenge. And also, uh, let's pray that uh, God will minister to us as we continue our uh, study from the book of Mark. I'm excited uh, to walk with the Lord in the Gospels. And as we're going to have the next 50 minutes on meditation, med second meditation from the book of Mark, let it be very useful for our personal life and for our ministry. So I request uh, their Janusha to lead us in prayer. Janusha. I think it's a challenge for all of us. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this uh, privilege you have given us to meet together like this for studying your word. Even as we continue the, from the book of Mark, we pray that you bless our time together. Lord, we pray that uh, due to the poor internet connections, we may not have challenges to hear from one another. And we pray, O oh God, that you minister to us as we study your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yesterday when we started, we looked at uh, who is this Mark, who is known as John Mark. And we looked at about him, the one who was almost backslidden. But because of God's grace and because of the ministry of Barnabas, he could come back. And later, he was uh, used of the Lord in a mighty way in writing this gospel. And not only that, along with uh, Peter and uh, Paul, he can have his ministry in Rome. We looked at uh, the signific significance of this gospel. It was the first gospel written among the four. And why there was a need for the gospels, we looked at it. Though it is a shortest gospel among the four, we could see that it is action-packed. We had seen a broad outline of this book. We looked at uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 15 yesterday. There we saw the preparation of the servant. Mark is highlighting Jesus as a servant of the Lord. First 13 verses, we looked at uh, the preparation of the servant. According to the Old Testament prophecies, the beginning of the ministry of Jesus is highlighted. And in 14 and 15, we looked at the vision of our Lord. When we closed, we have seen that uh, the vision of Jesus is so important. Keeping that as a vision, he had his mission. And today, we are going to look at his mission in detail. Before that, uh, we need to just go back to the broad outline of this book. Up to chapter 8, verse 26, we can see that the ministry in Galilee is highlighted. As I said yesterday, three years of time is recorded in this passage. 
chapter 1 till 826 after that we could see a shift jesus towards jerusalem chapter 8 verse 27 till end of chapter 10 we could see that uh, that passage is highlighted it's recording about 6 months of time and 8 days time that is from chapter 11 verse 1 till chapter 6 16 verse 8 we can see that uh, mark is concluding uh, in verse 8 of chapter 16 that has happened in 8 days time in that way we know that uh, the broad outline can be put together in three categories ministry in galilee going towards jerusalem and being in jerusalem and before we go into our today's study i wanted to talk with you about uh, the vision and mission of jesus yesterday we concluded saying that we all need to have a vision and to achieve that vision we need to have a mission as we see mark introducing jesus ministry uh, in mark chapter 1 verse 15 the kingdom of god is near by my coming the kingdom has come that's what jesus says clearly we could see that jesus is talking about the kingdom of god is to be established that is the vision jesus has come into this world so that the kingdom of god could be established in the world and by his second coming it's going to be complete but as we saw in the old testament prophecies we know that kingdom of god is a focus and jesus had that vision and his mission i would say that uh, something like that i have written his mission statement could be like this sent by the father to save this world and destroy the power of the evil one by preaching teaching and healing along with training the disciples for future ministry if it is paul he would have started with saying that called by the father called by called by god appointed as an apostle that's the way he says his mission statement and jesus could say very clearly sent by the father when we look at john's gospel we have noted down this we have noted down this point sent by god sent by the father for what to save this whole world and take the sin of this whole world on him and also to destroy the power of the evil one and what did he do he was preaching teaching and healing definitely along with training equipping motivating guiding the disciples for future ministry his focus is on kingdom of god he doesn't want to uh, be a great man and then leave it like that rather he wanted to see that kingdom of god will be established and for that he has to invest his time in training his disciples i'm sure that you are excited to look at the vision and mission of our lord all of us need to make note of this as a child of god you need to have your vision statement and you need to have your mission statement work on it 
work on it. That's my humble request to all my believing friends. I normally say, especially to the young people in this world, which is corrupt. And you can go here and there if you don't have a proper vision and mission statements for your life. And even for families, I would say that uh, better to think clearly why I'm existing as a family, Christian family. And what should be achieved, that is vision. And to achieve this, what I have to do is a mission. Today, we are going to look at a long passage, chapter 1, verses 14 till 8, chapter 26. We see the ministry of the servant in Galilee. We may not be in a position to cover the whole passage. And I just, for your information, I wanted to tell you that Matthew is also concentrating on the ministry of the servant of uh, the law, uh, Jesus as a king in Galilee till chapter 16, verse 20. He goes, in Luke, a son of man, Jesus is highlighted and till chapter 9, verse 50, he could talk about in Galilee. God willing, tomorrow, we are going to look at uh, chapter 9, verse 51. It's a very powerful verse. And uh, in Mark, we see that uh, the ministry of Jesus, the servant of the Lord, in Galilee, it's written up to chapter 8, verse 26. Uh, five headings I can consider. We may not have much time to look at all the passages, but uh, let's see. The calling of disciples. That's the reason I told you the mission statement. His mission statement is very clear. He wanted to train the disciples for the future ministry. As he leaves, he wanted to leave this powerful ministry of building God's kingdom to a group of people. And he was training them. And to train them, he has to call them. These passages talk about how Jesus has uh, chosen these people, called his disciples. Then later, we see that there are various incidents are written. As we saw yesterday, Mark is uh, highlighting about uh, the action-packed words. And it basically talks about the authority over the devil, authority over the world, authority over the uh, nature. He wanted to uh, say he is definitely have authority over everything. That's highlighted. Definitely part of miracles. Fourth chapter, as I said yesterday, there are four miracles, four parables are highlighted in chapter four. And uh, later, he continues with miracles. We could see that uh, the passage closes with uh, the growing opposition to the servant. Ultimately, he was crucified. But uh, even before that, right from the beginning, we could see that opposition to the ministry of Jesus is very clear. Even to his life and ministry, opposition was there. In that way, we all know that uh, a opposition is part and parcel of Christian living. Uh, calling of the disciples, it's very clear. He calls by name. 
here we see that uh, Peter and um, his brother Andrew are called. John's gospel, it has a different story and Luke's gospel have a different story and we have to put all the three stories together as the calling of Peter and uh, Andrew. Later we could see that uh, calling of uh, Matthew is highlighted. But interestingly, in the third chapter, there's a very beautiful passage where we see that Jesus went up to the hill and he prayed all, all night and he came down and chose 12 disciples to be with him and to give him uh, so that he can give authority to them. That we read in chapter 3 verse 14 onwards. So calling and commissioning and being with them is a clear-cut uh, ministry of Jesus that we are not going to look at much. Maybe tomorrow when you are going to talk about discipleship, we'll be looking, we'll come back to these passages. But today we are going to concentrate on other three things. Miracles, parables, and opposition. For that, we are going to look at uh, two passages. We may not be in a position to read all the passages. Uh, first one, when we look at a miracle, it's a classical passage in chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. One of my very favorite passages in the scriptures. And uh, I requested from Joshua from Hyderabad, EU student from Hyderabad, he'll be uh, reading us uh, from Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. And uh, after that, immediately, uh, dear Namratha from Tirupati EU, she'll be reading the second passage, that is chapter 4, verses 1 to 9. And that will be focusing on one of the parables. Over to Joshua. Joshua, we are not in a position to hear you. I think Joshua has a challenge in internet. I understand. He has gone to his native place. Maybe the reason for it. I'll read the passage for you. After that, Namrata can read both chapter. Mark second chapter. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people hear that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw the faith he had 
he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does his fellow talk like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was uh, what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. This is chapter 2 verses 1 to 12. Namrata? Yes, uncle, am I audible? Yes, sir. Yes. Uh, reading from uh, Mark 4, chapter, verse 1 to 9. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake. While all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and eat, ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even a 100 times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Thank you. Thank you, Namrata. Sorry, Joshua. We missed your reading. No problem. Yes, sir, Joshua. When we look at miracles, we need to learn some precious lessons. And uh, to talk a little about miracle, I have taken this particular miracle. 30 years back, I heard a message from this outline. Very easy to remember, but it stuck up in my heart. The crippled sinner, the concerned soul winners, the critical scribes, the compassionate savior. Easy to remember. The crippled sinner. You need, uh, you need to know that the condition of the people around are so pathetic. We know young boys and girls, children, parents, elderly people, the way in which they are stuck up in sin, it's so horrible. Even during this uh, corona time, some of them who are stuck up in the hospitals, they're really afraid to die. Leave alone uh, Corona time. 
even in many other ways, they are really stuck up. They're under bondage. That's what we see that. Their condition is so pathetic. We were also like that. Once we were like that. Because of sin, we were not in a position to get up and walk confidently. Maybe we had a, a nice uh, family. We had nice uh, way of handling things. But uh, inside us, we were completely uh, bound by something. And interestingly, we see that uh, they all need a savior. And we wanted to have a person who can help us. As uh, Paul could cry out in Romans 7 chapter, who can deliver me? Who can deliver me? That's what exactly we see that. And we may say that uh, many of my friends, they don't need a savior. They have money. They have everything in life. They have a future. So they don't want a God. That's the way they speak. That's the way they behave. But we know their pathetic condition and we know how much they need a savior. So they're all crippled sinners. It is not that we are holy people and they are our sinners, not at all. We are saved sinners and they are crippled sinners. And we need to be really concerned about people like that. And the second uh, uh, passage, we see that uh, the concerned soul winners, I'm using that word soul, basically to have a word from, so yes, the preacher was using that phrase. I'm just mentioning. Otherwise, as I said yesterday, we need to be concerned about the whole person. And these people were very much concerned about the whole person's need. And when you look at these people, four people, many things we can highlight. I like this uh, phrase, taking initiative. They had faith, definitely, because of the faith only, they could do it. They had a faith in Jesus, that Jesus will heal him. He had a real, they had a faith. But when you look at four people are highlighted, you need, you need to know down that any thought will not come just like that to four people. That thought would have come to one person. And as they were sitting and talking, maybe with a cup of tea, somebody might have told, why don't you take him to Jesus? A small thought. And then it was developed and they discussed and it became a big project. And we know miracle has happened. So my dear brothers and sisters, as a child of God, you need to have some initiatives. It may not be a big project like this, but definitely in the ministry of God, we need people who can take initiatives. Even in this evening, I would ask a personal question to you. When it was last that you took a simple initiative, you, you had a concern for somebody, you made a phone call to somebody, you prayed for somebody, you helped somebody, it could be anything for that matter. A very simple initiative and that leads us to a very important point. Christian ministry is a teamwork. These four people join together and work together. A miracle has happened. Even as we think of God's work and involving in ministry, we need to remember this. It's a teamwork. I cannot do everything on my own. 
I should not. Definitely, the Christian ministry. I need to be part of the team. Don't forget that. And as you are involving in ministry, remember that we need to lead people to Christ, not to ourselves, not to our church, not to our fellowship. That and all secondary. I need to mentor them so that they can come to us, and the organization will help them. So I need to bring them to my organization. I need to bring to my church so that they'll be part of the church. That and all secondary. But first and foremost is leading them to Jesus is so important. If you are a real concerned person, please have the joy of leading others to Christ. And as uh, the ministry is going, as miracles could happen, we can clearly have some critical people. There are critical scribes. This version says uh, the writers of the law, they were simply sitting and writing the uh, Old Testament books. But unfortunately, they had a real question about the sovereignty of God. They couldn't really believe Jesus is a Messiah. Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one. So they were questioning in the hearts, saying that who is this man can say like that. Even today, there are many, many critical people in our family, in our church, in our society. They're very critical about our own ministry. In fact, they're questioning the authority you have in the sovereignty of the Lord. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. When the ministry is growing, when you are actively involving in God's work, naturally you can expect critical people around people who will be putting you down. Second thing I have noted down in this passage is uh, they are supposed to be joyful because one man who is a paralytic man is going to be healed. But they are not happy about the healing of the person. Even as you read about other miracles, those who are critics, they are not happy that somebody is uh, growing in the Lord. Somebody is... Uh, uh, getting deliverance from God. They are questioning why in other place we see that why should happen on Saturday, the Sabbath day. In fact, they should be happy that on the Sabbath day, one man was delivered. That's what Jesus told. When a donkey, when a goat is stuck up somewhere on Sabbath day, will you not go and help that donkey to come out? And this man with a feathered hand, if he's healed, you should be happy, but you're not happy. That's what he said in other passage. Here also, we see that they are not happy to see people are blessed. Compassionate Savior could show himself that he has every authority. And also, he has the power of God's word. Look at verse 9. He's asking them a question, which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. What is your immediate action? Answer. The easier thing is to say your sins are forgiven. Anybody can say that. We do not know whether it is really happened or not. Maybe that man will be just smiling, so we know that he is, his sins are forgiven, or something like that. 
but in our own eyes when we see that somebody who is paralytic can get up and take the mat and walk then it is the power that's what we can say verse 12 he got up took his mat and walked out in full view of them all in full view of them all by seeing that everybody is amazed this man's sin is forgiven and uh, he can get up and walk so my dear brothers and sisters the power of the gospel is real the miracles are real little later we are going to talk about miracles but uh, keep that in mind we have a savior who is so compassionate of helping others when we look at the miracles some of the points i need to highlight here because there's a utter confusion about christian uh, miracle workers and uh, uh, even evangelicals are struggling in that and people are worried about miracles anybody can do miracles we hear about many stories long back when i just uh, looked at one tv program it's a um, other religious group they have full tv program with testimonies i went to this man i went to this guru and uh, he touched me and uh, healed me and i was blessed to have a baby boy and all sorts of things they'll be saying what all the testimonies we hear they also started saying even in moses time when he put the um, stick it became snake even others could do the same miracle my dear brothers and sisters don't be carried away by miracles i am not against divine healing i am not against miracles to happen but we need to be careful we should not stop there and it's not for self promotion look at that there are many many people they pro- they promote themselves like anything it's because of my prayer uh, it has happened and they want to have more people to be uh, coming there my dear brothers and sisters be careful and if somebody is projecting himself too much we need to be careful i can go on with many many examples one of the powerful examples i can remember in uh, my young age in salem there was a preacher even before he comes to the platform the devil will the people with uh, devil possessions will fall down by looking at him buying in his presence itself they'll be frightened what a miracle and when he is going and preaching when he is praying many will get healing and many will get uh, uh, blessings uh, from god but what happened later as he was praying somehow he had a vision he thought christ and krishna are equal then he changed his name muttu krishna lari that's the way he changed his one of the greatest miracle workers we had in our times in uh, tamil nadu a become like that devil can put anybody for that matter we need to be doubly even triply careful about uh, uh, involving miracles uh, keeping that as a base for our life and ministry it is for the glory of god it is for the purpose for the kingdom of god 
Jesus was very clear in doing miracles. He has an authority over everything. Not only this miracle, even in other miracles, that's what we see that. He had authority over the devil. He had authority over the nature. He can walk on the sea. And he can bind the wind. And he can deliver people who are under the bondage. He has every authority. He can heal people. So, the miracles are highlighting Jesus as an authority. When we look at this passage in chapter 2, in the beginning we see that Jesus was preaching God's word. And the faith is highlighted and people uh, brought him and he was healed. But we know that uh, Jesus was preaching God's word. My dear brothers and sisters, don't stop in miracles. Definitely, we need to look for God's word should be rooted in people. Last, but not it is least, it's very important point in miracles. Jesus doing miracles in different ways and in unique ways. So don't make your ministry a mechanical one. Same sort of a approach. Jesus did not do that, number one. And second thing is, as we see different approaches Jesus uh, had for a miracle, we know that people are from different backgrounds and people are different needs and pe people need a different touch. For some of them, with God's word, they can be healed. In 8th chapter, we see that a blind man has to be touched by Jesus and he has to wash his eyes. Then only he can get healing. And to another blind man, he can say that uh, uh, simply with words, he can heal. So different types of uh, approaches he did for miracles. My brothers and sisters, as we consider the miracles, I want you to stress this important point. The greatest miracle you can think of is a person is converted. A sinner becoming a child of God is a greatest miracle. The change of heart is a biggest miracle. What about other miracles? I believe in that. It's good. You need to pray for people. They need wisdom. They need to pass their exams. And they need to be delivered from sickness. They need all blessings in every way. But remember, the greatest miracle is a, a sinner becoming a child of God. If you keep that as a focus, definitely you will enjoy uh, being with God, being a co-worker with God in involving in, uh, in the miracle working. My brothers and sisters, if God has given you some gift of uh, miracle, doing miracles, please do that. But keep all these three points very, very important. Secondly, I want to talk with you about parables. Parables, I told you that in chapter 4, there are four parables. And two more parables are highlighted in Mark's Gospel. Actually, Totally, there are 38 parables in the Gospels, out of which 
four, six are recorded in Mark. In this chapter, four are recorded. Parables are nothing but illustrations or stories like to explain the great truth. To explain the truth, Jesus, in a beautiful way, is taking some examples from nature and other times from familiar customs and incidents from our day-to-day -day life. Very interesting. Jesus observed and made it as a parable. My brothers and sisters, you need to share the gospel very clearly, very effectively. And you need to use uh, uh, biblical examples, biblical stories, and as Jesus said, parables. At the same time, please use some very common things from the nature, from our day-to-day -day life. I can think of this example. In 1978, I joined as an EU coordinator, and I went to Chennai for the training. As I was there, that one particular evening, our former president of USI, Brother H.S. Pondraj, uh, asked me, Billy, shall you go for a cup of tea? It was my privilege to go with, with this great man, Mr. H.S. Pondraj. He's no more. And he took me to a hotel nearby, Hotel Downton, and we were sitting there. And uh, he has a habit of asking very good questions, like Jesus. Jesus used one more method, is asking questions. And the parables are part of Jesus' uh, ministry of God's word. And that day evening, the H.S. Pondraj asked me, Billy, you see that one lorry is going? And tell me, what are the lessons you can learn from this? My goodness, that was a big, big eye-opener for me. From a very simple illustration, as a lorry is going with a bad smoke, he can come out with various applications for me, various learnings for me. If my life is not uh, tuned properly, if my life is not serviced properly, I will also send out black color, bad smoke. I learned preciously on that day. Not only that, to use very common illustrations or parables, it's very important. I thank God for people like Bahrechus Pondraj. Right. In Jesus' time, as he was talking about parables, most of the parables are focusing on kingdom of God. Otherwise, God has a plan for people through Jesus, indicating a new age has dawned by coming of the Lord. That's what the prophets were waiting. And Jesus has come. And here the parables are talking about it. The gospel is preached. The kingdom has come. And in a very powerful way, Jesus communicated the parables. We don't have time to look at all the parables in detail. But uh, my humble request is, don't bring too much uh, uh, into the parables. Parables gives some important message. And you should not go on uh, giving more explanations with parables. That we have to be very careful. Some of the preachers nowadays, they wanted to have very good uh, attraction from people. 
so they want to say some parables and go on with uh, their own ideas that is a deductive study of deductive bible study method and that is wrong also definitely wrong don't put your ideas into the parables and do it let us look chapter 4 verses 1 to 9 there namrata has read for us and uh, then we see that uh, jesus was talking to people with parables and here is a powerful parable he is talking about and later disciples came and asked him please explain what you are talking then jesus could explain the parable to the disciples that was a privilege disciples had of clearly getting the interpretation or meaning of that parable and here we see that uh, jesus is talking about the soil the seed is the word of god look at chapter 4 verse 14 the farmer sows the word so clearly he says as an evangelist as a child of god as a christian witness you have to share god's word with others no doubt about it and that is the calling but how do we prepare the soil before we sow the soil seed you may ask as i was going in a train as i was going in a bus i got an opportunity i shared the gospel praise god praise god you do not know anything about the soil you you just sow fine as long as you use that opportunity and then did it but you have to be very careful whether they understood properly what you shared the what you shared as a gospel is very important but in our ministerial context we need to do a proper preparation of the soil is uh, this parable is talking about commentators say that this parable is known as the queen of parables queen of parables look at that the word is preached and people accept it but immediately devil comes and take it away even we know that in our evangelistic programs in our evangelistic camps people respond we give a report that this many people have accepted jesus christ when you meet them the next day or very soon they will simply forget about god's word why devil has taken that we are not really pray- praying for them we are not upholding them with our love we are not giving them the christian fellowship so in a day or two devil comes and takes that word from them second group it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow we didn't prepare the soil so it was very shallow quickly the word has come out as a plant but when the sun has come completely gone third one we didn't prepare the soil properly and the plant is coming and we see that because of the thorns as we read in first john chapter 2 verses 15 to 17 the flesh of i the flesh of uh, 
the lust of flesh and the lust of eye and the pride of life is really pushing them and they are not in a position to grow and they have lost their life third category fourth soil is a good soil where the seed is multiplied don't simply say that it is 30% 60% and 100% commentators say that it is a full measure of blessings the important point is the good soil is uh, multiplying is produce or it's bring blessings so when we look at this particular parable we can learn some precious lessons i need to show the seed but at the same time i need to prepare the soil how can i do it i need to pray for them i we have to really pray and most of the eus have first sundays as prayer october 2nd as a prayer day and we need to pray not only for our work not only pray for our programs we need to pray that god will keep uh, people like lydia keeping the hearts open to hear the gospel is it possible very much possible we are not praying we don't show christian love to these people so we are not preparing them with christian love we are not preparing them with uh, the support of a christian community in many many ways we can prepare a soil so that it will be a good soil to uh, bring yield for the seed which we are going to give so keep that in mind this is one parable jesus is talking about there are many other parables as you look at understand the meaning of it and we need to apply it for our life the last passage that is about opposition i told you in the beginning that right from chapter 6 onwards clearly opposition is mentioned even before that in chapter 3 is there but uh, when we look at chapter 6 verses 1 to 6 there we see that uh, the opposition starts from home in his own native place and jesus could say very clearly the prophet or the servant of god will not have much to do in his own home or in his own place my brothers and sisters if you are rejected by family and by your own friends don't be surprised not at all don't be surprised even jesus was not accepted in his home jesus was not accepted in his in his town he couldn't do miracles there he was there for a short time and then he moved out that's what the passage says chapter 6 verse 6 then jesus went around teaching from village to village he left that place and he was really shocked to see the lack of faith among them my brothers and sisters whatever church background you may come from whatever uh, religious background you may come from you can expect opposition from within it starts from within then we look at in chapter 7 the opposition comes from outside the pharisees the leaders in your own college campus and uh, wherever you live there are some people 
who are in authority, they will oppose you. They will question you. That's what we see that. They were questioning. And Jesus tell them they were hypocrites. Very true. Even in our lives, we can see some are hypocrites, but they are really opposing us. But outwardly, they ask nice questions and they behave as if they are not opposing, but indirectly, they are opposing us. Please be careful. From inside and from outside, you will be getting opposition. That's what it happened to Jesus. It was growing. Even in chapter uh, six, we see that uh, these people, Jesus is basically from Jewish background. And Jesus went to Roman leaders. It's planned. They planned the others to kill him. My dear brothers and sisters, the persecution is the part of our life. Opposition is definitely clear as you want to lead a holy life, as you want to share the gospel. If you want to be a, an interest in life and mercy, don't be surprised. Opposition will come from different sources. Uh, I'm sorry for the interaction. It's raining here with thunder. So that's a challenge. I'm sorry. So uh, uh, opposition will come in different uh, uh, ways. Be ready for that. Then only it is fun that you lead uh, a life which is pleasing to the Lord and your ministry is everything. Don't be, don't be foolish in taking the uh, persecution on your life. No, not at all. Don't do that. In a very beautiful book, uh, commit um, in uh, about the commitment to discipleship.
very sorry we are going to close uh, second psalm psalms 2 verses 2 and 3 the kings of the earth rise up and rulers band together against the lord and against his anointed saying let us break the chains and throw out the sacks look at that the kings of the earth and the rulers in various ways not only political uh, rulers in many ways people wanted to work against god my brothers and sisters opposition is uh, very much true and uh, some of you as you are facing a real opposition in your campuses and in your workplace continue to pray and have the strength from the lord so that uh, uh, you will be like jesus wherever you are let me close with this uh, questions jesus had word and deed together to glorify god word is with parables and very creative and effective way of communicating god's word that is god jesus words and jesus deeds miracles showing love and it went to hand in hand word and deed should go together what about me being like uh, being a preacher i need to be careful i cannot sit and preach and uh, only doing the word i need to show it in action and some of us may be active and we should not just stop only in deed word and deed should go together second one do you have the compassion for people who are in bondage even people who are rich and people who say that i don't need god and definitely they are in bondage if so what should i do third one how do i handle the opposition coming in our personal life and in our ministry as opposition is coming how do we handle such situations may the lord help each one of us to keep jesus as our role model for our life and for our ministry let's pray together father in heaven we thank you for this privilege of studying god's word especially to look at the life and ministry of our lord jesus from the gospel according to mark thank you for ministering to us in this evening help us help me lord to reflect jesus in our life and ministry continue to speak to us in jesus precious name we pray amen